You'll remember in Deuteronomy 34, it says there hasn't arisen since in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The face of Moses represented the face of God for the people of Israel. You remember when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and there were even things like uh, they heard thunder and lightning and and there was a cloud that descended on the mountain and, and most of the people thought, I'm sure glad whatever I'm called to do, I don't have to be up there today. It's a terrible thing, the Bible says, to fall into the hands of a living God. Now, I know we are heavy in post-modern age about grace, love, and everything, but they were thinking about the awesomeness of God. You know, we're just not always prepared to stand in those awesome moments. And Moses, when he'd come down from those awesome moments, would have a face that had a very unusual kind of shine on it. The Bible uses the word Shekinah, glory. It's a glory where it was almost as if there was a spotlight on Moses' face. But the people didn't like it. They didn't like looking at that face because it was, I can't do that, you know, so cover up, cover up. Man, what kind of a complex does the preacher get if every time the people look at his face, they say, I can't take that, cover it up. Cover it up. That's a tough way to come at life, isn't it? He felt alienated because God was calling him to do things the people didn't necessarily want to do. Who wants to do some of the things that cost your life blood? And that's where the people of Israel were headed, or they were headed back into slavery. The Bible said that the Old Testament experiences were passing away. That sounds good for everybody looking in hindsight, but it wasn't good for the people that were there. Everything in their world changed. Everything in their world changed. The scripture said only the people who went through with God would get to their eternal rest. In the book of Hebrews it said most of them perished by the shore of the river Jericho in unbelief. They couldn't make themselves walk into the new. You see, this book says that Jesus Christ is the God who makes all things new. And you know what he didn't get? Never once did he get voted the most popular guy on the market. They killed him and hung him on a cross. The Bible said that when you look to the past and to those old days, it's like having a veil over the face of God because God wants to lead you with his eye in a face-to-face relationship into something new and something dynamic. Doesn't always feel that way. Last Sunday while the district superintendent was here leading services and my brother Doug is usually leading his services at his church, I sat in the morning with him and wept and wept and wept because in the graveyard across the street from his church, now two of his sons are are buried. And he said, you know, I'm never going to leave now. It's how do you walk away from all that you have? This is where I'm going to, this is where I'm going to minister the rest of the days of my life, you know. 
And, uh, you know, that's not the time to say, what if the bishop says something different? Is it? When a guy's saying you never thought when you came to the church and the church had a cemetery that it was your kids that were going to be in there. And we wept and we wept and we wept. And Doug said, I got a new reality. And it's never going to be as good as the reality that I knew. And he said, but it can be as faithful as the reality that I knew. Man, that one ought to be put on the headline of every church congregation in America. Sometimes life isn't just as good as it was, but sometimes life changes. C.S. Lewis, that, that brilliant scholar, wrote a book about the changes in life. It was a recapitulation of the Venus myth, meaning it was a redo. It was a sequel in the movie. It was uh, something that he wanted to tell over again because the Venus myth was a powerful story about life and experience and love. And C.S. Lewis said, it's been years since that story's been on the popular market, but it's worth hearing again. And so he wrote a book about people who in the midst of their life experiences are forced through difficult times. There was death, there was sickness, there was pain, and yet there were people coming through it. And C.S. Lewis asked this one profound question. If, if humanity is all moving to a day when each of us will stand before God face to face, and the scripture says, it is appointed unto humans to die one time, and after that, the judgment where we stand before God face to face. Now, that's the scripture. And if we're all moving towards that powerful moment in life, C.S. Lewis has this question. How shall we stand before God face to face until we have faces? You see, in the midst of life's changes, we can lose so many things that are precious and once were, but are no longer. Even things that would be foolish to you, like this old preacher, the day I, I let my last daughter go off to college like she was supposed to, and I was in an empty nest. I was in the foulest mood. You, you, you wouldn't have wanted to get within three blocks of me that day. I wanted no part of my children being gone. I wanted to continue that saga in my life because I love them with an everlasting love. But you know what? <laughs> if they're going to be whole, if they were going to be healthy, if they were ever going to fulfill the will of God for their lives, they had to leave. And, uh, and I had to deal with that. And I had to try to decide, was yesterday better than today? It is in my mind. I had my babies, my darlings with me. Vince Gangemi knows what it's like to have some little girls. I never thought I'd go to halftime of the football game to watch the dancers. <laughs> that wasn't my life growing up. But guess what? When you get a couple of little darlings that the Lord trusts in your hand, you're willing for everything to be made new. Everything. And that was my life. 
but I had to catch up with what God was doing. Some of you know, some of you are right there on the cusp of being empty nesters. When you are, come see me. I can commiserate with you. I can commiserate with you. Yesterday, as I stood at the graveside, saw my nephew there and my other nephew in the grave right next to him. I thought of one thing. I thought of a story that my nephew Andrew, who, who passed away, it was his funeral service. He came to me when he was five years old. And this is a direct quote. He said, Uncle Ron, you've got to help me. I said, what's the matter, Andrew? He said, I need some money. I'm dead broke. <laughs> and then he said, after that, I got zero bucks. And I started praying for Doug and Julie right then. I knew that this guy was not going to be the ordinary, everyday, run-of-the-mill kid, you know. And as I stood at his graveside yesterday, I was thinking, holy spiritually. Because you see, there comes a time when flesh and blood can't get it done. You know, that's one of the big challenges of all of humanity. We think in our pride that in our flesh we can do it, but the Bible says in the flesh it is impossible to please God. And so as I was standing at the graveside, I said, you know, I learned from Andrew when he was five years old that human beings are dead broke in life. We're dead broke. So the disciples, recognizing they were dead broke, said, Lord, to whom else can we go? You're the only one who has words of life. So we go to him, the author and finisher of our faith. Life won't be the same but we're growing a face. And one day we're going to stand before God face to face. Say, Trinity, do you know what this scripture was saying as, as it was up on the screen? That the glory on Moses' face, the connection between Moses and Israel and God was transitory. It wasn't always the same. The glory would fade away and then he could take, take the veil off. And the scripture says we all need to stand before God with unveiled faces. But if Trinity is the body of Christ, transitory is the word. What can be more transitory than what you've been through, Trinity? You've been through the good old days when every, every uh, service during this hour they put chairs up. Where are people now, you know? And you know, we sang, we sang. I know the pain of that. I do know the pain of that. So much that we sang in the song this morning, Lord, you don't see our failures and then walk out the door. And this is the God who's told us that we have to love one another like that. So where do the people go? Well, we're grieving. We're grieving like a death. It's never going to be the same. And there's been a fair amount of that going on. But you know what? Three committees in the life of Trinity have saddled me with the task, lucky me, to talk about where we are financially, where we're going to go, are we going to build this building or do we not build this building, and what's the face of Trinity going to be as it exists now? We all know what it was, but what is it right now? Do you know if you're in a relay race and you pass a torch, and the torch gets dropped on your, the light goes out. 
I figured that yesterday standing beside that graveyard, that grave, that the, the light can't go out. We just can't drop the torch. There are some who drop out of the race. There are some who hate the fact that we're in a race. We liked it the way it was. But you get no choice, do you? That's the thing. You get no choice in life. I know this. I want no part of the fomentation it causes to go through. Are we going to do what they've been planning on doing and they looked into for 12 years or are we not? And we get the financial reports and the attendance records and those things. But you know the one thing I can't do? I can't quit being the man here until they tell me you're not the man here. Because the torch that I carry is a torch that brings life. It's a torch that brings hope. It's a torch that saves a generation of children from the enemies. And if it doesn't, we die trying. And if somebody dies while we die trying, we're the people who stand at the grave and weep. We're in it together. Because how are we going to stand before God face to face till we have faces? In ways, <laughs> I just have to kill the inside of me that says, you don't have to go through all that. Just go back to your horse farm. But I can't go to a horse farm if Jesus has put a torch in my hand. No matter how difficult, I can't do it. And so, the committees of the church have said in the next few months, Ron, will you talk openly and honestly with the church? Why do you have to do that during worship time? Because 51% of our people only come to Sunday morning service. That's more than half. So more than half will never hear it unless I say it here. But you know what happens when I say it here? If you'd like to stay after, I can open up a, a file of letters that aren't fun to read. That's what happens. When somebody said in definitive words and they put it, they put the font all up there to about 16 size instead of the normal 11. And it says, Trinity does not talk about money in the morning service. Period. They didn't sign the name to it. But uh, I thought I got the message. And you know, from that time till now, I haven't really done it. I thought, well, I'm here. Trinity's the people. What do we do? But now three committees of Trinity have said, we need you to talk about it. And I just thought to myself, boy, I better get a longer file drawer. <laughs> I don't want anybody here to think that I don't know the lousy feeling of being transitory. I do know the lousy feeling of being transitory. I know it from my own family experience. I know that uh, there are days that, that you don't recover because they're good days. And I don't know how to recover them. We would do it if we could. But it's, it's changed. But I also know that uh, I got a torch in my hand. Only one life to live will soon be passed. Way sooner than we think. Only what's done for Christ will last. So I have a torch. And that torch says that Trinity has to be asked this question that C.S. Lewis wants to ask every Christian. 
How are we as a church going to stand before Jesus face to face until we have a face? We can't tell him, well, it was this face. No, he's not interested in what the face once was. He's interested in, have we been faithful through all the changes in our life? And my brother this morning is in the best place to tell everybody, you don't always get the changes that you want. Sometimes they're the worst imaginable thing, but we go through life and God even builds that into our face. I can look around this room at those who have lost loved ones or those who are losing loved ones. And it's pain. It's pain. And you all are the first ones to say that uh, there's pain in life. But God wants people who have experienced pain in life to stand up in the midst of the congregation when they're feeling pain and say, I felt that pain. You know how many people said to me and my brother this week, uh, I lost a, a child. And you can't know. You can't know that feeling. But here's what we know. You need a hug. And the hug was the medicine of God. We're growing faces. The one thing that we can never say at Trinity Church is we used to have. That's a history lesson. But we have to say the life I now live in the flesh. Now! I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we have a couple months to decide, are we going to build a building or are we not going to build a building? At this stage, even the building committee will shoot off fireworks just as long as a decision is made. It's been 12 years coming. There are several people that want to, they're, they're a little angry. Some even have stopped giving because they don't know where their life campaign money went. I want to give you a good, concrete, hard fact. I'll put my reputation, I'll go this far. If this is a false statement, you can lock me up. When I came here, there were 500,000 some dollars of reserve funds. And we had a building to pay off for just a little under 5,000. Instead, they paid off the building and the parsonage and that cost a little more than $500,000. And guess what we have in the bank today? Around $500,000, am I right, Doug? You see, it never would have gotten done if we were self-protecting. And by the way, that was under this ministry in this last year. You... you you have to go through a time when no matter how painful it is, you have to ask this question. Do we build for another generation or, or do we just utilize this building so we maximize it and continue to grow the ministry here? And you know what I want to say? Do you know the pastor doesn't have a vote in this? Only you, the people, have a vote. So you're going to be hearing two times when I'm calling all of the people together to make a vote. One, to put all the pertinent discussion out on the table so we can pray, and the second one, to come and to vote. But we're growing our face. If you vote for a building, the face changes a little, and there are new sacrifices. But I want to tell you this, no matter which way the people vote, there are sacrifices. The money has been low now for a couple reasons. We had a lot of people leave, and then we've had others dissatisfied and have stopped their, their giving. 
and it presents a challenge to us. But we have to keep going. Do we lay down the torch? We don't lay down the torch. We keep on keeping on. And so, in the midst of this, they said, Ron, you got to stand up and you got to call the question. You got to ask Trinity, do you move this way? Do you move this way? And I'm saying, yeah, yeah, and which way do I move, you know? But uh, here I stand. No matter what we like or what we don't like, there's a charge of Jesus. Charles Wesley said it this way, a charge to keep, I have. A God to glorify. A never dying soul to save. That means he's going to live forever, going to be separated from God and fit it for the sky. A charge to keep. And I want to say this. Man, I myself could give you a sheet of a thousand pastors that could do a better job than me. But I also want to say this. In the midst of this difficult time, I made the commitment. I'm the man for this time. For better or for worse, I got the torch because God handed it to me. And I'm the man for this time. So if the letters need to come... Thank you. If the letters need to come, we'll deal with the letters. If the people need to go, we'll deal with that. We'll always be an open door for more people to come. But we have to be able to say this. With unveiled faces, we're real is. We are the people in this age because somebody else's child is at stake. We're the people in this community who say we need to make a decision for where we go with God. And Moses stood in the gap. And the Bible says, there'd never come another one like him. He knew him face to face. Face to face. Trinity, we're going to stand before him face to face. And when we do, we want to be found faithful. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit over the next weeks. We're going to grow our face together. Now today, with everything, we're still going to take communion, even if I don't let them in till 5 after 11. <laughs> so uh, Patrick and the team are, are going to sing for us, and uh, the people are going to come forward that are going to help serve communion, and I'm going to ask you to come. And I want you to hear these words. That God that you're willing to stand before face to face because we've got the things of God to do, here's the words he wants you to hear. So this is me, my body, given to you. This is my blood. Drink it. It's yours so that you can be mine for eternity. Amen.